everybody, welcome to the next episode of Heal the Hurt Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, I am extremely excited about this one today. Um, some good friends of mine, and and we're going to discuss this. So, Allie, I'll turn it over to you and introduce Thank who you, we Chris. have. Awesome. Thank you. Um, yeah, so we have here today, I am Allie York. I have my brother, Tyler York, here, and Drew Wilson. And uh, Tyler is my oldest brother. And uh, Drew is a former colleague and one of my best friends. And today, I'm super stoked because we are talking about uh, one of the biggest, no, the biggest, I can say the biggest, um, conversation that I have with people in regards to um, challenges with family members. So the topic today is, you know, what is the difference between acceptance and condoning? And how does that look for people who are um, religious? And so for me personally, in my story, I was raised religious um, and I am gay and I really, really really struggled with that throughout my adolescence and early adulthood. Turned to drugs and alcohol, you know, tried to numb it out, tried to not be who I am. I really, really struggled with that for years. And today I have accepted that. I work daily on loving myself, I think just like everyone else, you know, does. And I'm grateful for that. I have great relationships with my parents and my family members. And I, I did not think that I would be where I am today with my parents, ever. I never thought we would be where we are today. And this topic is how we have gotten to where we are. And, you know, I've had people ask me, you know, how, you know, how did your parents come around to, to this point? And they're still active, you know? And I was in treatment one of the 10 times that I went, and I had a therapist tell me, um, Allie, your mom, struggles with this so much because she loves you so much. And, you know, at that point, all I could feel was this victimness, right? Like it was all about me. It's all about how I feel. It's all about them not understanding me, 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 me. And she completely shifted my whole perspective and said, if you want them to understand you, then you get to understand them. If you want them to be compassionate for you and empathize with you, you get to be, be compassionate with them and empathize with them. And I don't think that my parents know this, but everything kind of shifted when I started to do that. When I just really worked on my selfishness and by no means am I saying I'm not selfish and I don't make things about me because I definitely still do that today. Although at the time I worked really, really hard on hearing them. And what I actually did was I listened to talks, um, conference talks of the prophet of the, of, in the LDS religion, they have a leader and he's called the prophet. That's the religion that my parents are a part of. And I, I heard these talks that, so I could understand what was embedded in my parents' brain. What were they raised with and what is their mindset on this topic? And in hearing those, it made so much sense to me on why my mom was the way she was. It was, you know, it's, it's, made a ton of progress that religion and, and where they are today back in the day it was it was much more of a struggle you know and and understanding that about my mom and that that's what was the bottom of her belief system really helped me have compassion for her because
because unengraining that, I can't imagine how hard that would be, you know, and having that conversation with her, literally saying, I can't imagine how hard that would be to have a gay daughter that you, in your belief system, you can't spend eternity with. And you're, you know, if that's what you believe, I just can't imagine. And, you know, I allowed the space for her to cry. I allowed the space for her to, to talk to me about how hard that is. And from that moment on, our relationship completely changed. And it doesn't mean that it was rainbows and sunshine from then, but just, you know, trying to be the example of what I wanted in my life and what I wanted to receive changed my life. And I, I, I strive to do that today. Like I said, definitely not perfect, definitely struggle. But this is the topic I find the most with people, that this is it, this is the struggle. And my parents are still active in their religion. I just had a conversation all the way here with my mom, you know, of how supportive and loving she is and, and, and that she still has her belief system and thrives in that. And I love that. I have never asked my family to change their belief system. We have worked immensely on finding common ground and similarities and supporting each other with what we do believe and the differences we've been able to kind of set aside, you know, and just really love and support each other how we can. And I, and trust me, I don't condone decisions that my family makes, right? I may not agree with decisions they make, although I still love them and I support them. And, and that's the topic that we have here today with three of the most influential men that I have in my life. And um, not the only, you know, um, but I will say that they, these three gentlemen have, have probably been one of the big, biggest examples of being Christ-like in, in my life and have immensely helped my spirituality and, and helped me grow into loving myself more and having a relationship with something bigger than me. So we're going to start with Ty. Ty, hello. Hello. Thanks for coming. Yeah. Um, so you have been a very influential person in my life. You're the oldest sibling of five. And um, you've kind of faced some hardships in your own personal life. Uh, you were married to an addict in your previous marriage, correct? Mm -hmm. And you have uh, me that uh, struggles, you know, did struggle with addiction for many years and is in recovery now. And your ex is in recovery now, so it's a beautiful thing. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm gay, you know, shocker to everyone. And uh, your son is also gay. So share with us about how, how in the world with all of that, you know, how in the world were you able to navigate, because you are still a part of the LDS religion, correct? Mm -hmm. Okay. So how have you been able to manage being one of the most supportive people in my life? You know, you've met all my partners. You are so supportive. You, you I mean, literally I can say, I don't think you've treated me any different than you have any of the other family members. You know, I think at first maybe a little struggle, but that was so long ago that it's like, I don't really remember that. So how, how do you balance that? How, how are you able to find compassion for the loved ones that were making decisions that you didn't agree with? Great question. I, you know, it's a question that I get a lot because people know that I'm LDS, I'm religious and belong to a religion that like you said has come you know taken strides to be more accepting of people possibly in some people's view has a ways to go so they asked me you know how do you have a son that's gay and be active in 
your religion. And, and for me, you know, I looked at the way that mom and dad treated you and dealt with the situation. And, you know, it's a struggle. And like you said, back then when you came out, the world was different. You know, there wasn't as much out there understanding. I, you know, mom and dad probably turned to the parenting manual and said, mm -hmm. okay, where is it where your son or daughter's <laughs> gay, you know, and didn't find it. So how do you navigate that? Yeah. And I saw the mistakes that they made with you. And I think the biggest mistake that they made with you is like you said, they loved you so much. But hearing the news that you were that way, not understanding the situation, their world crumbled because their vision of what your life was going to be changed. And the way that they navigated that is you have a choice and we want you to change who you, and you know, for you, it's who you are. Right. Mm -hmm. And I saw the struggle that you had loving yourself and turning to drugs and, you know, getting as bad as, as living on the streets and, you know, as somebody who's loved you your whole life, I'm 14 years older than you. I was a second parent to you growing up. So, you know, I kid to people and Jamie <laughs> kids to people that you're our seventh kid. Mm -hmm. You know, you've lived mm -hmm. with us multiple times. You're mm -hmm. definitely comfortable taking food out of the fridge. Mm -hmm. So yeah. you're our seventh <laughs> kid. But, you know, I saw the struggle that you had loving yourself and turning to drugs and when Trey came out as being gay I was just absolutely adamant that he knows without a doubt that I love him unconditionally mm -hmm. and Jamie loves him unconditionally and circling back to the whole religion thing you know it was a rule in our house that the kids go to church with me until they're 18 and the reason for that is my relationship with God and my relationship with Christ has gotten me through a lot of hard, challenging times in my life, you know, through being married to an addict and the struggle there and, you know, navigating the kids and moving and taking care of them. It's prayer and my relationship with God has gotten me through a lot of tough times and my goal as a parent and as a father is I want my kids to have that relationship with God because to me having a relationship with a higher power it's almost like playing a video game and having the cheat code you know what I mean that's how I felt so when Trey came out I just said to him Please, in your own way, however you want to navigate, find how you're going to have a relationship with God. Mm -hmm. Because that's going to get you through a lot. And I'm telling you right now that me, as your father, I love you unconditionally. I love you so much. I will do anything for you. And if God is a heavenly father that's perfect, I can love you as an imperfect man, just the way that you are, and you mean the world to me, how much greater is a Heavenly Father's love that's perfect, that created your soul in essence, how much does He love you? 
and please feel comfortable turning to him and he loves you just the way that you are mm -hmm. and so circling back to the people that you know ask me how can you be religious and active in your church that doesn't fully support your son and I say I just don't have the answers I don't have all the answers and I don't have an answer for that but what I do know is the way that I believe Christ taught when he was on the earth was love God and love your neighbor and those were the two big commandments and whether you're gay, whether you're lesbian, whether you're whatever, you still have the capability of loving people. Mm -hmm. And that is the great commandment, and it's my duty and obligation to love everybody, but especially with my family and my kids, they are my responsibility, and you know, six kids, one grandbaby, and my wife, they're my world, mm -hmm. period. And you know, my relationship with God has helped me, helped my wife, and hopefully can help my kids. And it was my responsibility to teach them to love everyone, don't be judgmental, you know, find the good in people and serve those around you. And if you do, you're going to be happy. Yeah, you, I think you've been a great example of that, 1,000%. And I think that I've looked to that, and that has helped me immensely to find a relationship with God and something bigger than me, you know, and it's, and to keep it frank, you just simplize it, right? You simplize religion to what is the core of what it's about, not focusing on the rules, the guidelines. And I think sometimes people get so hung up because, you know, they're kind of scrutinizing themselves of trying to live up to the standards, right? So therefore they have that lens of, well, am I, I got to do this. I got to do that. So that's their lens and they look at others and they think, well, they should do this. They should do that. And I think sometimes it's subconscious, right? I don't think that it's on a conscious level for a lot of people. I think their intentions are pure. I think that that's just what they know. And for you, I think your lens was a little different because of the struggles that you were faced, right? So for people who come from families that don't have that, you know, say that they didn't have the addiction, they didn't have that struggle, they see their family member being pretty happy, you know, and then and then they come out, you know, we're using, you know, that topic of being gay or lesbian or anything on that realm. That's that's the example. But how do they find that relationship of acceptance with them when it doesn't make sense to them? How how did you get there? Well, like you said, I just went to the basics and, you know, my view of the religion is it's all centered around love, right? And so that's what I learned is we have to love. And, you know, I think, like you said, there's a, there's a difference between accepting who a person is and condoning it and saying that you agree with everything that they're doing. I never agreed with you taking drugs. I accepted that you're an addict and it's my job to hold you to the standard that I set for myself, but at the same time, love you unconditionally. So, you know, I think that's where I've always come from, is just a place of love. And especially with our kids, you know, the world is a tough place. <laughs> it's a really tough place. And, you know, you mentioned mom and dad and 
how they've been a, a comfort to me my whole life is I knew that if everything went completely south and mm-hmm. I was at rock bottom, I could always go home to mom and dad. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. And I had a safe place and and that's comforting to me. And with our kids now growing up, we only have one really at home. School, all the rest are gone, but they all know without a doubt that they've got a safe place to call home and we're gonna nurse them back to health if they need it. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah, I love that. I think that's a great example. And and I can I can say you absolutely are, right? And you've mentioned your wife. I do wanna say that um, your your wife Jamie has made a huge impact in our family and for me personally and the love that she has had for me and the acceptance she's had for me and I think that she's brought so much not just to your life but to all of our lives and just the incredible human that she is and and the love that she has and and, and she I, shows it a little bit different too and mm-hmm. I you know I've learned a lot from her about parenting adults mm-hmm. because you know we grew up in a household where I'm I'm 48 years old and dad you know <laughs> wants to give me advice on every single part of my life Mm -hmm. right and i have to remind him dad i'm i'm a grown adult i have adult kids i'm a grandpa i can figure out life at this point i don't Mm -hmm. need your advice i just want to be friends and love one another you know Mm -hmm. and so part of what has helped all of our kids feel so accepted and loved is jamie has this awesome ability to listen Mm -hmm. and to not insert her opinion unless her opinion is asked for Mm -hmm. and I learned by watching her that all the kids will talk to her and you know as your kids are growing up and as parents what a great opportunity to have your kids come to you and tell you their problems, tell you their excitement, tell you what's going on in their life, tell you, you know, the goals that they've achieved. What are their goals, you know? And all the kids talk to her about that stuff and it's because they feel comfortable talking to her because she might have a different opinion than them, but if they're adults and they're grown on their own, living on their own, it's not her job in her eyes to give her them her advice unless they ask for it Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. as I've learned that the kids have come to me even more and more and they feel that love and support yeah and I I think she's an incredible example of that and she's helped me as well with that I love inserting my opinion when it's not asked you know it's one of (laughs) my biggest defects we are that's exactly right that's exactly right we love them yep that's exactly right and it comes from love right and and that's something that you know I think uh, that's something I've, I've realized is it stems from love. It stems from s- such a pure form of love. And I'm sure I'm not a parent, right? And I don't know how that is to be a parent. I just know how it is to try to navigate loving myself and try to navigate making poor decisions and trying to do better and loving people in not the best ways and trying to be better and trying to love better. And I do think you, you both are huge examples in my life and I'm very grateful so I, we're going to pivot over to Drew. Thank you. Yeah, you bet. Uh, Drew. Drew Wilson. I 
my drill um, about five years ago, I think it would be. Um, I have looked up to you a lot in your, your work ethic, and Drew and I did marketing and admissions for the same company. It was a large part of how I got that job. And I, very early in my recovery, actually, I was very, very blessed. And Drew, you are probably the worst drug addict I've ever met in terms of you, you always got, you always got caught, right? And you, you, you were not the, not the smartest. So I, I, I love this part of your story and I did get permission to, to, to share this because I love it so much. So Drew would go, when he'd go to church, he was raised religious, and he'd go to church, and when everyone wasn't at church, he would sneak out of church, and he would go into his ward members' homes and sneak their pills and steal them. And uh, what ended up happening? What was the journey? What did that look like? I mean, which time? Uh, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, kind of how that, how that came to be. Um, I did, I grew up religious. I grew up pretty sheltered, you know, and when I... When I became addicted to painkillers, you know, after a, a health thing, I was so naive and sheltered. I, I didn't know how to find a drug dealer. Mm -hmm. When when I finally, you know, ran out of luck with the doctors prescribing them and I needed to find another way, I didn't know what to do. And uh, whatever happens to your brain happened to mine where um, I just kind of became a different person and, and suddenly I was capable of things that I didn't, didn't ever think I would be, you know, and that's uh, that's where the theft came in. You know, I started supporting my habit, uh, kind of supporting it, you know, um, that way. First, I'm stealing painkillers from homes that I'm invited into already, looking in medicine cabinets, and mm -hmm. and then eventually, you know, that can only work so many times, um, and so uh, eventually, I made the uh, transition into homes I was not invited into. Mm -hmm. um, also known as burglary. And not to make light of it, you know, I, 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 if, no, I definitely affected a lot of people, um, you know, and, um, and hurt a lot of people that I knew, you know, I, I burglarized homes of, of individuals that I'd known my whole life, you know, and really hurt them. Luckily, you know, I've been able to make most of those amends, you know, as the opportunities have uh, presented themselves and, and then start to heal those relationships. And, and some of them never, never did heal, you know, and that's, that's something that I had to get to a place of acceptance. And that journey led you to getting caught, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm sure you never, ever thought that you'd be a felon and that you never thought you'd end up in prison. Right. right. Yeah, so I got caught a few times. I, I ended up um, I ended up getting arrested a number of times. Um, you know, my parents um, also, you know, had that unconditional love, but to an unhealthy degree, right, where it was enabling. And, um, you know, they would bail me out of jail every time I'd get arrested. And, uh, until finally they didn't, um, which... You know, you talk about you talk about love, right? And um, and how God has a perfect love, and, and and I think in some people's mind, in a lot of people's mind, that means never letting you suffer. You know, always just rescuing and making sure you're okay. You know, and I think that's how my parents felt too. They had things happen in their childhood that 
you know, and, and feelings that they had and grew up with that they never wanted me to experience, you know, and so it, they always wanted to protect me. And, and, and really that's kind of, you know, I, I'm, I'm careful not to blame them because I don't blame them. It, it's just, it's, it's not excusable, but it's explainable, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they protected me from my feelings all growing up and they protected me from, you know, even if I didn't finish homework assignment or something, my mom would help me get it done. So I didn't have to experience the hurt of getting a bad grade, you know? And, and so what happens when you do that, you know, I'm an adult this time I'm married and I have my uh, my daughter and I have no skills. I have uh, no coping skills um, because I've been protected my whole life. But but ultimately I'm depressed. You know, I have undiagnosed depression. I have anxiety. I have low self-worth. Um, you know, struggled with pornography addiction through my teenage years. And, and I have no coping skills, you know, and, and I'm, I'm failing in my head as a husband and father, you know, and, and so when I get prescribed painkillers, you know, it's like, oh, ooh, you know, here's the answer. Why isn't everyone doing this? That all of a sudden I feel like a better husband, better father, better son, better employee, you know, and, um, and so I thought that was the answer. Obviously it was not, um, led to some pretty extreme things. And yeah, ultimately I, you know, uh, Finally, my parents didn't bail me out of jail. Uh, I ended up going to prison for three and a half years. Um, and it was the best thing that could have ever happened to me. You know, and I always say, like, I never want to relive my experiences, but I wouldn't take them back either, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, because it brought me to where I am now and the wisdom I have now and the ability I have to have compassion and love others better and more deeply because of what I've been through. You know, and so it's put me in a position, a better position, I think, to live my belief system. Mm-hmm. I understand it more deeply and fuller. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Totally. And so you get out of prison, you, you know, you, you stay in recovery, you work in the recovery industry for years. Now you're married mm-hmm. to your beautiful wife, Linda, mm-hmm. who's incredible, and you are expecting and that's so exciting. I'm so stoked for you. Thank you. And you have made the choice to return to your roots and mm-hmm. your belief system. And you are an active member of the religion you were raised in, the Amish religion. And I will say, um, truthfully, you are like the one of the top members of any religion that is an example of being Christ-like. I do not think that you treat me any different than you did while you were not active, you know, or participating versus now that you are. Nothing's changed about your personality. And I, I have seen that happen with certain people, but they kind of changed, right? They kind of became a little judgy. And and I think that's exactly the topic we're talking about, of acceptance versus condoning. So how in the world do you stay so open-minded and loving with your belief system and the lens that you have, and while also being an active member, teaching lessons? You know, what's your... What's your lens? What's your... Well, a couple of things. You know, when I was contemplating whether or not I was going to go back to church, um, you know, I had to work through a lot of things in my head. And um, one thing that always stuck with me was just this uh, kind of embedded belief and, and testimony. You know, it never completely went away, even if I wanted it to. Like it was annoying <laughs> that it was there, you know. And... Um, 
but I had to I had to figure out some things, you know, and in talking with one of my best friends, I was explaining my issues with the culture and judgment this and blah blah blah. And, mm-hmm. and you know, he said something extremely simple, but it 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 struck me. He just said, Well, how is you not being there helping? You know, mm-hmm. and so, you know, his suggestion is go back to church and help change it, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so my wife and I, that's that's kind of the lens that we see it through and um, and what we've tried to do, you know. Um, I'm very open at church. I've spoken in state conference and, and I teach elders quorum and, and I openly talk about how I went to prison. I openly talk about how I have gay friends. Mm-hmm. And I, I show my tattoos sometimes. I... Uh, I talk about addiction, you know, and I make it, and, and mental health, you know, and, and I make it really open, um, and and I say it with confidence, so it doesn't, I, I think it gives people permission to do the same. Mm-hmm. Like, sometimes I feel like I know as many people's secrets in our ward as our bishop does, mm-hmm. because <laughs> because I'm so open about my stuff, people are open with me. Creates that space. You know? Absolutely. Um, and so... Um, yeah, you know, I and when we decided to go back as well, we wanted to make sure that we didn't trap ourselves in um, environments or situations that can kind of get us stuck in that culture, you know, that sometimes happens. Meaning, like, we, we make a point to have uh, friends that aren't part of our you know, and spend time with them and, and kind of an eclectic group of people, you know, and, and I have gay friends mm-hmm. and, um, and, you know, Ty made kind of a joke about your parents, you know, not having the manual, what do you do mm-hmm. if your if your child's gay, but, but really they do have one, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's all right there and it's, it's very basic, we talked about it, it's just love them, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. um, just treat them with love and, you know, we have, kind of this idea in the world right now, it seems like, that um, disagreement equals hate, you know? Right. Um, yep. but, but it doesn't have to, you know? We can, a week or two ago, you were at our house, you know, and we had a really, really good discussion. We didn't agree on everything. Mm-hmm. Not once did anyone's voice raise, mm-hmm. you know? No one got angry, mm-hmm. you know? We're still you know, really, really good friends, and mm-hmm. and that's how it can be. We can just we can just love each other. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah I think on on that agreeing to disagree, right? Mm-hmm. And having that and having that relationship with that it's okay. It's okay to not have people agree with yeah. your own belief system, right? And I think that's a huge part of this topic. Is you know you've been able to to create a relationship with your belief system that it doesn't matter whether other people agree with you or not, right? And when you made the decision to go back, you were kind of faced with people kind of giving you slack, right? Mm-hmm. And so here's, here are these people who are upset with, you know, it's kind of, you look at both sides of the coin, right? They're upset and resentful at members of a religion that, in their mind, they're judging them, mm-hmm. okay? Well, you decide to go back, and certain people were giving you slack for going back, therefore judging you, mm-hmm. Right? So it kind of goes back to what we were talking about. You know, if you if you don't want to be judged, don't judge, right? right? If you want to be understood, then understand. And I think you've done an incredible example or an incredible job of that and been a great example of that. And when I was really, really struggling 
my my family, my parents especially would say, Ali, how can we help you? What can we do? Please, you know, tell us what can we do. And I said, be an example. Be an example of what it looks like to be happy. Be an example and show me what happiness looks like because I don't know what that looks like. And I think that's one of the biggest things I strive to do today is be an example of being loving and kind and not judgmental and lots of work left to go. You know, that's the journey. And, and like, you know, Ty said, like you said, it's, it's about loving, right? It's just about loving people the best that we can. And I think your journey is just really cool because you have found a relationship with yourself that you love yourself enough that you don't care what people think. You don't care if people on the one side of the coin saying, how could you go back? You know, you, that doesn't make sense. It, it doesn't make sense, right? How have you been able to make sense of your decision to go back and your decision um, to be sealed, right? And make that huge commitment and still have the lens that you do of, I feel so supported by you, no matter what. How? Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's been it's been a journey, you know, trying to kind of make sense of everything and how to reconcile like the two worlds, mm-hmm. so to speak, you know, and um, and I like what Ty said, and I totally agree. I've had to come to this place of acceptance. I'm not going to know everything. You know, like, well, how can you believe in a religion that, you know, um, you know, thinks that, or, or, or a God that made someone gay but it's going to punish them for it? I don't know. I don't know. And that's, that's what faith is, right? If we have a perfect knowledge of everything, then it defeats the whole principle of faith, which is really, like, the essence of, of the whole thing. You know, we're supposed to, it's, there's supposed to be reason for doubt. And so I don't... I don't know you know there's just answers that I don't have I know how I feel when I'm there and I know it feels right and it feels good yes there's questions and I have doubts and I have faith that someday I'm going to figure out what that is mm-hmm. why mm-hmm. you know um, and it's it's yeah you know I did feel a little bit judged when I decided to come back and and am I comfortable with myself yes but it was still uncomfortable you know, and it still took, I almost had to kind of like do it in phases, you know, like I wasn't ready to just come out screaming to the world, like I'm back, you know, like, yeah. sure, you know, it was just like, if people would ask me, I'd say, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. that's what I'm doing. It's right for me and my family, you know, and, yeah. um, and some people would be like, why, ew, you know, and, mm-hmm. you know, right. I guess, I guess that's where our friendship's at, you know, but, <laughs> right. um, and, and I had to just get, uh, kind of get over the fact and accept the fact that not everyone was going to, yeah. like, be stoked about it and, and maybe continue being friends, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I guess it's better that I find out now, you know. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and I think I love it. I loved it. I love it. You know, I I think that, you know, what you guys are, are sharing is something that I've been able to apply to my own life of, I feel genuine joy for you genuine joy that you made a decision that's best for you and that I do not have to agree with it or I do not have to have the exact same belief to feel joy for you that you are happy that you are doing what's best for you I think that's hard right I work immensely and I continue to work immensely to be able to have the love for myself and the confidence in myself and acceptance within myself 
to be who I am while also being very joyful and supportive of the people who I love so dearly in this life that are a part of the religion, right? And I think that it's it's it goes both ways. You know, you being that example of you're just doing what feels right to you and you're being that example. Like, that's huge. That's helped me. You know, I think it's it's that continuance of of just loving. Here's what's interesting is, in my opinion, a gay woman that feels that way and has that kind of love is more Christ-like and living the gospel better than an LDS person that treats a gay woman poorly because she's gay. Yeah, you're going to make me cry, but I appreciate that. Thank you. I That is one thing I have really strived to do is keep my roots to the points that I can, right? That I do accept myself and love myself, and that's something I really strive to do is to be Christ-like and really just focus on sim- making it simple, right? And I think like Ty said and you said and kind of what the gist of it is is just keep it simple. Just like whatever you believe God is, whether you believe it's a heavenly father or you believe it's anything with the big universe or whatever believe that love exists right and believe that you are lovable i think that's the point and to love others in the ways that you want to be loved and it's extremely hard because as humans we struggle we struggle with self-love we struggle with self-worth with self-worth and it's a battle right it's brutal i think like somebody said you know it's brutal and i think you've done an incredible job and thank you for sharing part of your experience. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. All right, Christopher. This is fun for me hey, hey. to be kind of on the other side here. Um, I'm going to give a little bit of background of how you and I know each other. Um, I was a client in a treatment center one of the many times I went to this specific treatment center. And uh, Chris was the clinical director. And he... So he ran it. And I can officially say that Chris is the number one human in my life that has helped my spirituality the most. And conversations I had with him, at the time I was estranged from my family. At the time I didn't know which way was up. I was coming off the streets. I had nothing. And I had, in my mindset, lost everything that meant the most to me. My religion, my God, my family. And I felt so alone. And I had conversations with Chris where he looked at me and, and he saw me. And, he, and you saw me. And you saw who I was. And you told me, this is who you are. And, and we had extremely deep talks about how we connected and, and we knew that we were people together. And how that we felt that. That we knew each other. And here I am <laughs> coming off the streets, being a, a, an ex-homeless junkie as a, as a client. And, and we're talking about being in business together and, and doing things to help people. And five and a half years later, I've, I've looked at you that as an example. You know, I, I respect you. I see you making your own dreams come true. I see you loving people. And that has helped me so much to be where we are today and me joining in on the nonprofit with you and doing this work to try to help people recover from just not loving themselves, right? And really struggling with that. And I want to hear more about 
how you have gotten to where you are, being the human that you are. Um, a lot of people may not even know that you are in recovery yourself. And you have a strong belief in the religion that you're a part of. And you, I, I mean, hands down, have accepted me and seen me and supported me in my journey and finding myself and love for myself and something bigger and understanding kind of just what we're talking about, just the simplicity of it, just love, right? Tell us a little bit about your journey, how, because you were a part of it and then you loved it and then you got five amazing children. Share with us. Um, <clears throat> I'm, I was one of those that followed when I was I don't know that I've ever actually connected these together until this moment but I give my parents some grief because I have, a, I have an August birthday and so um, when I entered kindergarten I had just I think I I think I had just barely turned five um, or maybe it was right before my birthday the cutoff was September so I went to kindergarten, I had my best friend, you know, we were buddies in the same class. We sang Beach Boys on the swings at recess. I had these vivid memories. Um, fun note with some foreshadowing, he's my brother-in-law now. <laughs> so one of my favorite things about my life today. Um, my teacher, my kindergarten teacher went to my parents and had some concerns that as one of the youngest people, I was more of a follower. And there was an entire group of kids at that elementary school who kind of, for whatever reasons, I don't know, um, whether it was age or otherwise, um, they, they didn't hold us, they kind of held us back. We went to this, it was called Transitional First. And so my, my best friend moved on to first grade and I went to this other Thing, this other class and then the next year I got to go on to first grade and so for a long time I in that hurt in that pain in that silliness that I have um, sarcastic passive-aggressive perhaps would set with my parents that they hold held me back that they they kept me back and then I transitioned that into I flunked kindergarten you know, who flunks kindergarten? <laughs> and it became this joke. And um, the reason I bring that up is because I was a follower for a very, very long time. And part of why the, the kindergarten teacher wanted to hold me back was if I'd been one of the older ones that give me more time to develop emotionally, socially, and probably psychologically and, and physically so that I would have maybe a, a chance at, at being a leader or or at least not being such a follower and from a, a religious spiritual standpoint I followed I, I know how to take orders I know how to march in line I know how to do what is expected um, I also know how to meet the minimum standards and not go any further not do any extra work why should I get extra credit you know a minus is great B's are good C's are passing, mm -hmm. you know. And that mentality uh, 
carried over into some other areas of my life. Um, when I when I was a teenager, I'm the oldest of six kids, and I've spoken for years about how amazing my parents are and how amazingly they raised us and us. Um, the most wonderful people. They, earlier we talked about unconditional love and I've developed my own kind of definition or my own understanding of unconditional love and I don't know that my parents understood that definition. My understanding of unconditional love today is allowing that person I love to struggle to hurt, to experience pain, knowing that somewhere down the road, joy, happiness, peace, freedom, those things are possible. But if I withhold the pain, if I take away the struggle, if I shelter them, protect them, or any of those kinds of things, protect maybe is not included there. But if I buoy them up too much, they'll never, they're less likely to develop those inner characteristics that, that we call resilience, strength, um, the abilities to, to overcome, to, to endure, and all that stuff. And I think that my parents saw when we would hurt and they wanted to protect us. And, and in that, they removed, attempted to remove some of those pains. And I carried on with that mentality that I could pretend that things were okay. Mm -hmm. I could hide things very well. I was very savvy with that. And um, when I was 11 and 13, had some pretty awful experiences um, that where I was abused and buried that out of embarrassment, out of shame, out of fear, out of lack of understanding and discomfort. And turn when I was 14, was offered pills. And through wanting to fit in, and also then after taking that and feeling how powerful that was, that euphoria, mm -hmm. um, I wouldn't say that I became addicted at that time, but um, enjoyed that escape, mm -hmm. enjoyed that relief. And so I became, I became hungry for uh, distraction. I became hungry for, uh, for that escape. And so I, I went along in that way, um, whether it was pills, pot, alcohol, women, girls, um, uh, even athletics, and things that we consider to be good or healthy. You know, there's no problems with these things. You know, let's um, use chemicals, relationships, and activities to, to numb out, to escape, to run. And um, ended up feeling pressure religiously and um, didn't do some of the things that, that uh, LDS kids are supposed to do, are expected to do, or are now encouraged to do. Felt a lot of shame from that. Fast forwarding a little bit, um, got divorced, um, 
and had left, not necessarily left a belief system, but wasn't sure why I believed in it or what I believed in. And um, started living in a way that was pretty contrary to that belief system, to the religious faith preference. And um, there was a time where I went in front of my clergy and kind of unloaded and said, here's what's going on. And, you know, here's been my pattern. Here's been what I've done in my lifetime. Um, and when I mess up, I'm very good at saying, I'm so sorry. I, I, I can't believe I did that. I'm not like this. Will you, will you forgive me? I'll never do this again, right? You, you trust me, right? That kind of mentality. I don't think my words were exactly that, but mm -hmm. I'd get that slap on the wrist, and uh, I'm a Wilkins boy. You know, you know my parents. Like, like we're good, right? We're good mm -hmm. people, and that kind of thing. And I, and I finally, at age 26, 27, um, went back to my religious faith preference and said, "You need. I need you to kick me out." There's a different term for that. I said, I, I need to have a wake-up call. I need to see what it's like to have this taken away from me. Um, and those who are, who are in or have been in the LDS religion kind of understand that concept of, you know, the spirit with you and, and not with you. And um, I needed to, for whatever reason, felt like I needed to see that for myself. And they granted my request. Um, set out on a journey to kind of figure out what was right for me and um, eventually came back into the church and um, similar to what you were talking about, Drew, this is, this is what's right for me. This doesn't, this doesn't need to be right for anyone else. It's none of my business if this is right for anyone else. As I believe that, it's also no one else's business what's right for me. There's a lot of, I think there's a lot of contention that exists where people who think this is what's right for me, therefore you should choose the same things because mm -hmm. this is like, I'm not dumb. I'm not an idiot. I've done all of this work. I've whatever. These are the accolades that I've accomplished and mm -hmm. these are the letters. Right? Mm -hmm. Knowledgeable. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean anything. So when it, when it comes to connection and Understanding somebody who has a different belief system. We don't get to project our stuff onto anybody else. Um, as you guys, as you guys were talking earlier, I was thinking about two two things that I've heard from from spiritual leaders in my past that I've referenced a lot. Um, one of them had to do with sin, and he talked about. Um, how judgy we are when people sin mm -hmm. differently than I sin, right? You guys might recognize that. Mm -hmm. And we have this, we've established this idea of what's right and wrong, but again, we forget to, I think we forget to acknowledge that everyone else's value system may or may not be similar to ours. Mm -hmm. And it's not for us to tell them or dictate to them mm -hmm. how to live. Mm -hmm. um, so I try to remember that. And that doesn't mean that I would tolerate somebody violating someone else's rights or or something along those lines but there are things that I might disagree with that that's okay 
has to do with not smelling tobacco and, and alcohol in, in, a, in a chapel, mm-hmm. in a church. And somewhere along the lines of somebody who uses those substances, or let's expand it to anyone who's dealing with anything that might be contrary to their belief system, whether it's a struggle or for a time that's fun or enjoyable or whatever. Question of why would they not feel safe and welcome to go into that religious uh, arena? Fear of judgment, fear of, of rejection or something along those lines. And so, I think I've I've changed the way that I look at myself over the years, and I think I've changed the way that I look at others over the years, and have had a stronger desire to be more like my God, as opposed to mentors or people that might be religious leaders or spiritual leaders. There's a lot of humanness in all of us, and we all make mistakes, and a lot of things that we're that we're doing out of out of faith just out of I hope this is what I believe therefore this is what I'm going to choose today um, I remember keenly a conversation that we had when there was a lot of upheaval upheaval locally around some religion things and rights for gay marriage and you said something to me actually Allie that that inspired me and, and I've remembered um, and it had to do with that not knowing mm-hmm. what I took from that was this is what I know this is what I do know and I'll ad-lib a little bit you said I'm not going to reject those things I do know because there are things that I'm not sure about or that conflict with who I am mm-hmm. and I think we and maybe maybe I can only speak for myself I think we have a tendency to, as we're along this journey, we encounter something that doesn't sit right with us, and so we throw everything away. We discard and reject all of it, as opposed to taking a step back, maybe pausing and examining and investigating what's going on here, and maybe even tabling something. I'll get to this someday. I'll figure this one out someday. And so that's something I've learned for me, is to to slow down. It's a work in progress, of course to slow down and to go back to what do I know and then what do I have faith in and then what do I hope for I had an ex- questioning whether I could go here I had an experience with one of my children uh, a while ago where she she wanted to share some things with her fear in sharing those, what kept her from sharing that was that I wouldn't love her anymore. That I would reject her. My response, my initial response as she began to share that, um, you, you thought I'd reject you over that? Like what? That, that was all it was? That's all this big thing that you had to tell me? I thought it was going to be like, kind of invalidated her Mm -hmm. because this was a big thing right but I 
as she had prepped me and said, I've got to tell you something, I'd rather talk to you. My therapist says this and, and whatever. My, my dad brain was like, it's going to be horrible. My response to her was, I don't care who you are. I don't care who you love. I don't care. I don't care any of those things. I will still love you. You could become a serial killer and I will still love you. You will still be my daughter. And I, in my inability to be serious sometimes, I said, please don't do that because they probably won't let me visit you in prison and I want to see you. But it doesn't matter. I will always love you. And I said, I might not be happy with the decisions that you make, some of the choices that you make and, and how you live your life. I will always love you. My role as a father, and I kind of, I kind of expand this into my role as a, as a therapist, uh, my role as, in my religion, my role as a neighbor, as a friend, as a husband, and all the, you know, all the areas that I, that I exist. I don't get to tell anyone else what to do. I get to show up with love, with compassion, and with an understanding. At the very beginning, very beginning of this, you mentioned, I think, the difference between accepting or compassion and then condoning, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And I think we struggle with that in our society today, um, that we think if, if, we, if we participate in something, we must be all in, yeah. or if, if we support one part of something, we must be all for it, and I think that's a trap. Mm -hmm. I, think, I think that's really risky. need to slow down and we need to not assume. And one of the things I've loved is, is getting to know people different perspectives then. Focus on the things where we connect, where we have those similarities. We celebrate those things. We also get to celebrate our differences without judging. Um, I've, got some, I've got some loved ones where we have a lot of differences. We have, we have different tastes and different preferences, and that doesn't matter. That doesn't mean we don't get to go to dinner. That doesn't mean we didn't, don't get to go to the reunions and gatherings and all those things. We might just have an agreement and boundaries around topics mm -hmm. that we discuss. What's on the table and what's not on the table mm -hmm. you know, to maintain peace and mm -hmm. you know, harmony. But have to completely abandon those relationships because somebody, and I'll trivialize this for a minute, we don't have to completely abandon a relationship because somebody likes the Yankees and I'm a Red Sox fan, right? But sometimes we do that. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we do that. Mm -hmm. I mentioned something earlier too, I think before we hit record, where we have this tendency to go, how could you associate with that kind of person? And I so desperately want people to understand me. I so desperately want people to see where I'm coming from. Not necessarily agree, mm -hmm. but tell me that Oh yeah, that you made the right decisions based on the circumstances that were going on. Mm -hmm. Why would I not afford that to someone else? Why would I not give that same grace to somebody else? I might not do things the same way. I might not live the same way. But I respect your freedom and your rights to to make those choices. Mm -hmm. Kind of had that Christ theme, that spiritual theme. If, that's, if that is an example to us, 
spending time with those who were different from in love, in compassion, giving service, mm -hmm. loving people, not telling them what to do, not judging them, not, not being bossy. Absolutely. And I think a big thing I heard, um, we can and wrap this up, I think one of the biggest things I heard from you and, and kind of everyone is thinking it, things in a black and white lens, right? It's either this or that. And it's not most of the time this or that. It's, it's in the gray area. It's everything. It all exists, right? And that's something that I have a lot of conversations with people about that I've worked on immensely and I continue to work on is, you know, this topic is... is you guys being members of this religion, right? I know a lot of people who have left and that's what's best for them. And I love that for them. And, you know, and, and looking at people's decisions and them doing what's best for them and respecting them for that. Whether you agree or not, that's hard to do, right? Whether, whether you, you know, whether a family member is making a decision that negative in, negatively impacts your life. Like if somebody's recently, you know, bringing drugs around you or something like boundaries, right? That's a situation where there can be boundaries. That's different. But if somebody's making a decision and what's best for them and it's not harming you, it's not, it's not putting you in danger. We just get to love them. You know, we get to do our best and we just get to love them and accept them and, and do our best to not inflict our own beliefs on them. Right. And, and understanding we do, I think most people have the best of intentions. I do. I think that most people just love and, and they're just trying to love the best that they can. And I just think taking a look at that and, and, and understanding that we can really accept people and support them and not have to support every decision they make. It's not black or white. You know, it all exists. So thank you guys. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for coming. I appreciate it. It's fun. Really good to meet you. Ty, yeah, Drew to catch up with you and and Allie. It's always it's always lovely to sit and visit and share the space. Um, I've got a friend who introduced me to the to the term break bread, and I still don't really understand what that means, but uh, but I still use it mm -hmm. and I like it. Um, to those of you that have that have taken opportunity to listen and to and to even without sharing anything with us, just open yourself up to feeling to to those emotions, thank you for doing that. Um, we love hearing your comments, we love hearing your, your input, your feedback, so please reach out to us. Um, you can find us at uh, If you or someone you love is struggling with mental health issues, with addiction issues, please, please support them getting help. Please reach out to us. Help them access emergent care right away, if that's necessary. Love each other, love yourselves. If you haven't identified your boundaries, what's right with you, what's what's not okay with you, have a daily system for self-care. Reach out to us, let us help you with that. Let us help you implement that. And have the best day.